podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hi, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner, and thank you for joining us for our podcast entitled, If the World is Flat, Why Can't We? IP Convergence Goes Mainstream in Rural County, Tennessee. Thank you. I'm here with the United States Distance Learning Association, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us for our podcast. And with me today is Mike Lay, who many of you may have heard at a number of different conferences in which he has presented. Mike, thank you for joining us. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, Mike. Mike has been in education for over 29 years. He served as a teacher, coach, lab instructor, and technology coordinator. And he has also worked in the college adjunct world with Rowan State Community College and Tennessee Technology University. And I think it's very interesting, Mike, when I was looking at your resume and also when we were talking, that Mike has a lot of firsts. Mike has spearheaded for Scott County many firsts in technology, including the first PC, the first computer lab, the first network lab, the first integrated learning system, the first interactive board technology, the first video conferencing system with equipment in every school, and the first national award from Computer World Honors Program Laureate. Mike has also done many presentations, including NEC in Atlanta, Title I in Gatlinburg, and it goes on and on. Very accomplished Obviously, Scott County is very lucky to have him because he has brought in millions of dollars of grants and E-rate funds over the last couple of years. So, Mike, thank you very much for joining us, and we're thrilled to hear what you have to say. Wow. (laughs) If you could, you know, we have a lot of school districts, especially small school districts, who are members of USDLA, and that was one reason we were really very interested in your presentation, to maybe give some guidance and support on how does a small school system actually get started with distance learning. And if you could share some of your thoughts How can it be done? Well, I'd like to address how we did it, first of all, because we had some partnerships, number one. If if you're going to pursue grant funds, the biggest suggestion I can give you is to find some partnerships. And thankfully, uh, we ran across the the folks at Tanberg on a site visit to the University of Tennessee in 2004. And and from there, we, we just shared some of our demographics, and they found out that we were a rural county. We, they found out that we had a high free reduced price lunch rate. They found out that we were an empowerment zone enterprise community. And those are the designations that get you points on the USDA Distance Learning and Telemedicine Grant. So once we began that relationship, it was a matter of them pursuing us. And in fact, we put together our first grant in 2005 with the USDLA and, or USDA, and it was funded to the tune of almost half a million dollars. Incredible. That must have been a very exciting time. It was. And 
I, I got to tell you, being from a small school system like Scott County is, uh, I felt like the dog chasing the car. You know, what are we going to do now that we caught it? I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what have been some of the highlights of the program over the past year and a half? Well, when we wrote the grant, you know, the, the, the biggest advice I can give folks to write a grant is be very specific. Be detailed. What is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to accomplish? And how will you measure that accomplishment? And the first thing that we said we wanted to do was we wanted to do an algebra class for all five of our middle schools. We wanted to do it without busing children. We were busing children from four elementary schools to two locations, from Fairview to Huntsville, which is a 15-minute drive. You're losing instructional time that way. But the kicker was, and this is a true story, I actually put this in the grant application. I'm from Gumfort, and I'm going to use the name Johnny. Johnny was from Jellicoe Creek. Jellicoe Creek is farther out than Gumfort. Johnny rode a bus for over an hour and a half every day just to get to Winfield Elementary School. Unbelievable. Now, Johnny is talented. In the eighth grade, he wanted to take algebra and get a head start on his high school career. That meant putting Johnny on a bus from Winfield, stopping at Birchfield on the way to Scott High. He was on the bus for probably another 35 minutes one way. So we that's added yeah, exactly. We added an hour to his day on the bus, and that's just when you go into details like that in your grant application, it pulls at the heartstrings of the grant readers. I think, and at the end of the year, we documented where we saved nineteen thousand dollars by not having to bus kids. When you look at the green technology aspect of it, someone from Tanberg did a study on it, and he documented where we were not putting three tons of carbon in the air. Oh, by not driving those buses, yes. Oh, I love it. That's great. Well, what are some of the factors that actually, the specific factors that contributed to your successful implementation of the program? So a lot of people have tried what you've tried, and they have not been successful. Why have you and others have not? Well, once again, let's go back to things that you need to put into place before you actually ask for funding. Number one, you better find good people. I don't believe in forcing things on people. One of the worst things you can do is to have a director from the top that says, we will do distance learning. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. I, I like the grassroots level of things. We found a teacher at the high school who is phenomenal. Tony is awesome. Not only does Tony have the mathematical skills needed to teach a class like this, but he also had the technology skills. He's good with computers. And when we approached Tony about teaching this algebra class using the video conferencing equipment, I think he was a little shell-shocked. And as a matter of fact, I, I know he was a little bit intimidated because we just got the equipment in during the middle of July, only two weeks from the start of school. So, oh we, were looking at, yeah. so we were looking at putting everything together and the training. But I also give a lot of credit to the man who trained us. His name is Lance Ford. Oh my gosh, yes, we have a podcast with Lance. Lance Forrest from Howe Public Schools is a terrific motivator. He's an awesome individual, and he is the king of distance learning in my book. There is no <laughs> one who does as much or knows as much about it as he does. And we spent two or three days using the technology. He demonstrated not only how to use the remote control, not only how to conduct a video conferencing session, he also motivated us taught us things like using Moodle. Moodle mm -hmm. is a free open source, mm -hmm. Linux-based or Windows-based. You can develop your website. And we took his suggestions and ran with it. And many of the factors 
that contributed to our laureate in education academia with the Computer World Honors Program came from his suggestions on how to implement that algebra class. Excellent. I like to toot Lance's horn. Let me tell you, he's a wonderful individual. And if you get an opportunity to talk to him, just find out about his background and his, his makeup and his, and his philosophy. And he is a tremendous individual. That's great. Thank you for sharing. There are a lot of successes, but what would you have done differently? Done differently? Well, not a lot. But, you know, when we first did the grant, we didn't realize that we needed some, some technology in place that we didn't have in the grant at first. And... One of the things that we added to the grant out of our own funding source was a content server. One of the things we do in the algebra class is we record every broadcast. It's an hour long, and we do it on our content server. And that way, if students are absent and they have Internet access at home, they can actually go to our content server via the web browser, and they can watch it live. Or, for example, if a student misses class and doesn't have Internet access, they can come back to school later and download it and watch it. We also have students who have iPods, and we set it so they can download it and do a podcast with it, which is similar to what we're doing right here, do a video podcast. So one of the things I would have done differently was I think I would have researched it better, and we would have had the content server included in the grant instead of having to buy it out of our own funding. Good suggestion. You mentioned in your title, and a lot of people may not be aware of what IP convergence actually means. Could you describe what you mean by that? Well, if this goes out to any teachers in the world who use Accelerator Reader, mm -hmm. Accelerator Reader, read a book, take a test. The version we had was the older version that was network-based, land-based. We had it on every server in the school, and we were constantly having to run data doctors. So we were managing five servers. We reinvested two years ago in their upgraded version called Renaissance Place. It's web-based. So instead of having five Nobel servers running Accelerated Reader, we have one web server running Renaissance Place. And we upgraded. We bought all the tests for all the books. They manage it for us now. They download all the updates and upgrades, and it's wonderful. We've had no problems with it. And as a result, any computer that's capable of running a web browser can now log in after the kid reads the book, they can log in, take a test, and it makes it so much easier to manage. So what IP Convergence tells me software-wise is that regardless of how much manpower is needed to, to manage something, when you go IP-based, you know that if you can run Firefox or Internet Explorer or Safari or whatever browser you have, mm -hmm. if you're capable of doing that, you're capable of running whatever application runs okay. through it. Great description. Thank you. There are a lot of resources available out there someone was to follow in your footsteps, what resources are there for those school districts? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay. We, we chose Tanberg, and then Tanberg chose us. And I'm not saying that they have the best equipment because they don't have that much experience with the, with the other vendors. But what I did like about the Tanberg team was that, number one, they had a grant department, which the thought of writing a grant of this size is, is intimidating, and when you're as busy as we are in a small district, you don't have time for those. Those resources mean a lot. So, number one, find the resource that will empower you to provide the data where they can manage the data and put it together in a good package. Mm -hmm. They understand what the package needs to contain. So, part of our success was putting together a team of grant writers, and putting together a team of, of locally the teachers involved that, that can add to what we wanted to say in this grant application to make it successful. And then make sure you have the administrative team on your side. Our school board does a phenomenal job of supporting technology. 
our, our director of schools, former director Mike Davis, current director Sharon Wilson, really fun technology. Uh, if, if we approach them about something and they feel like it will impact student learning, they will do what they can to empower us to, to make that happen. Excellent. Mike, you've been very gracious with your time. Thank you so much. I know there are people out there who would want to contact you or see more information. Can you share your email address or website? Two are similar. Our, our school website is www.scottcounty.net and you spell out Scott County, S-C-O-T-T-C-O-U-N-T-Y.net. My email address is mike at scottcounty.net. Okay. So, and it's been an interesting ride. This has been, the past two years have been the most challenging of my career, and yet at the same time, the most rewarding. How exciting. I'm thrilled for you. I'm thrilled for Scott County. And thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your successes and your challenges. This is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association. And you can find out more information about USDLA at www.usdla.org. Thanks a lot, and I hope you have a wonderful day. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.